0: Hi, I'm Isabel. And I'm Morgan. And this is Womance.
1: A podcast about romance novels.
0: About workplace relationships.
1: About kind of Australia.
0: About bad bosses.
1: About outfits. About bad dads. About sexy little graphic designers mm. sneaking in the back door.
0: About the colors of blue.
1: About the publishing industry.
0: hmm About weird romance triangles that like kind of work and don't work at the same time yeah what was the point of anyways we'll get into it we'll get into that one but mostly it's about the first thing romance novels and ourselves ourselves. this week we've got the hating game a novel by sally thorne (laughs) We're going to read the back because we are definitely doing that now.
1: Yeah, that's so much easier.
0: Nemesis. Noun. Number one. An opponent or rival whom a person cannot best or overcome. Two. A person's undoing. Three. Joshua Templeman. Lucy Hutton and Joshua Templeman hate each other. Not dislike. Not begrudgingly tolerate. Hate. And they have no problem displaying their feelings through a series of ritualistic passive-aggressive maneuvers as they sit across from each other. Executive assistants to co-CEOs of a publishing company. Lucy can't understand Joshua's joyless, uptight, meticulous approach to his job, and Joshua is clearly baffled by Lucy's overly bright clothes, quirkiness, and Pollyanna attitude. Quirky! <laughs> now they're up for the same promotion. Their battle of wills has come to a head, and Lucy refuses to back down when their latest game could cost her her dream job. Ellipses. <laughs> but the tension between Lucy and Joshua has also reached its spoiling point, and Lucy is discovering that maybe she doesn't hate Joshua, and maybe he doesn't hate her either, Ow. or maybe this is just another game. Enemies to lovers. Yep, yeah. good trope.
1: People good. like it. The favorite trope. Whenever we did a vote, everyone said it was their favorite trope. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's I just like it. rife with sexual tension. Oh my god, so much. It's so much better than friends to
0: lovers. I like friends to
1: lovers too. It's like a satisfying conclusion, but it's not as fun of a journey. I mean, agree it's to like, disagree. Let's ride on our tender bicycles. I already know your mom.
0: <laughs> I love that <laughs> part, though. It's like, you know, I've been there all along. It's like a Taylor Swift song. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> do your, do your death rattle, so. No, but I get what you're saying. Like the anticipation is so delicious in Enemies to Lovers. There were actual points in this novel where I, like, felt tingling while I was reading it, where I'm like, Ooh, your passive-aggressive has reached a new level of disgusting, and I am both sickened and appalled and cannot uh, wait to turn the page. Yeah, it, I think
1: with Enemies to Lovers, there are boiling points throughout the text, whereas, like, Friends to Lovers, you get that, like, break at the end, but, like, there are all sorts of, like, violent outbursts throughout An Enemies to Lovers. That yeah. is uh, fun. I agree was this super popular
0: yeah super popular the reason why i picked it up is because the bookstore that i love to go to women and children's first does not have a romance section and like assiduously does not have a romance section and is kind of like what i would call um snobby about it and then i saw this book there and was like holy Jehoshaphat! do you have a romance section and it's like we have romance we just categorize it and The literature section oh that's kind of nice with all the other books but then it's like actually kind of hard to find Mm. because like you can't then discover something unless you already know the author is there sci-fi integrated into there nope and neither is there mystery come
1: on now Mm -hmm. well there we go right and they
0: have a whole section of ya romance and then queer romance it was weird to me that like queer romance was siloed next to mystery yeah. Where I'm like, can't all romance just be romance? There is sci-fi
1: that kind of wolfs in sheep's clothing. Or it didn't when it was originally published in Japanese, but now it is. <laughs> it's published in English. Good point. But yeah, this idea of how you dress up your book. Like even the fact that it says a novel, Sally Thorne. Mm-hmm. Whereas like traditionally romance just has the author's name and no kind of attribution.
0: Also that it has this really cartoony cover, which I think we should talk about. That's yeah, happening more. Yeah,
1: PBS had this really nice YouTube video that explained the difference between chiclet and romance novels. Awesome. Which we've discussed in the past and kind of how your central character moves is important, but also your happily ever after and your key motivator. The hating game is very much like falls into the realm of a romance novel. According to PBS, the key motivator is the romantic relationship or would be romantic relationship. There's a happily ever after and the real saga, the real project, of the story is talking about this relationship growing whereas like Chicklet, the real saga is the individual growing mm-hmm. and changing. However romance is now putting on its best Chicklet Chiclet yeah, looks. There's,
0: <laughs> there's a real move I think to capture a wider demographic of readers I think romance is constantly trying to battle the stigma of not only its covers but what is considered trashy. And it's like romance has a lot of really interesting things to say obviously we have a whole podcast about it as do several others and I feel like the hating game is part of this new move of both publishers and savvy folks to be like you would read a romance novel if it was dressed up in its Sunday best mm. and its Sunday best means that it can't be its authentic self and its clinch covers it has to be something that like you could read on the train publicly without blushing.
1: It's like identity politics yeah, totally. publishing. Yeah totally.
0: It's like we'll capture this other demographic with our sneaky sneaky. Okay so Hero or heroine first?
1: Oh, I was just thinking about that. I want mm-hmm. to talk about her heroine. Great. Can I speak to Lucy?
0: Please speak to Lucinda. So
1: Lucinda is a small town girl who grew up on a strawberry farm with her parents who named their strawberry farm Sky Diamond Strawberries because Lucy in the Sky with diamonds. You get it.
0: They love the Beatles. They love
1: the Beatles, but they love their little girl even more. And their little girl loves Smurfs, small collectible Smurf figurines. She lives in the big city now, working for a publishing house. She got her start as like an editor, but Helene, her boss kind of took a shine to her and promoted her. And she has some survivor's guilt about the merger because she got to keep her position and saw one of her best friends fired and her best friend resents her.
0: Seems like her best and only friend.
1: Her best and only friend in the big city ended their relationship. And then she's really messy and she wears vintage clothing, but she hates synthetic fabrics, so I wonder how she she lives. Because if you're not walking around in a small furnace, you're not wearing vintage. Yeah, You gotta feel the Cold War right up against your skin.
0: It's a true story. I mean, unless your vintage is from the Victorian era, and then that's a lot of cotton and linen.
1: And also it's very fragile and you shouldn't wear it. You shouldn't
0: wear it. It should be in a museum. <laughs> yeah. Where did you get that? Put yeah. it away.
1: Put it away. That's an heirloom. You know what's crazy? The Victorian era was recent enough that whenever people started wearing vintage in the 60s, they were wearing victorian era like lacy things is like open
0: isn't that interesting yeah clothing and the way clothing moves.
1: i think time is just interesting the fact that like victorian era was vintage to the 1960s is like crazy whereas now it would be antique to us isn't that interesting
0: yeah time marches ever onward That's so wild yeah anyway
1: so she's wrong she's bad at being into vintage she's short
0: oh god does she make a deal about being short boy boy howdy that got a little bit on my nerves and like as a tall person I get that I don't understand the struggle but like you have your own struggle I have my own struggle and like I don't consider my tallness like a key facet or motivator of my personhood yeah and like her shortness was a key motivator of her construction of self
1: yes that is really interesting
0: and now as I think about it and I'm like is it because I am privileged to be tall and that like tallness comes with like certain kind of like, like part of her being short and the way that she constantly brings it up as like this chip on her shoulder is she's like, I'm never taken seriously and like my legs are stubby and I'm like constantly being infantilized yeah. and like I don't have that problem so like maybe, but like she's like, I'm short and I'm like you're a lot more than that Lucy.
1: There's this thing about taking up space when Mm -hmm. you're a woman that is also inherently a bad thing. I think whenever you're a tall woman, you're also brushing up against that like assumptions of bitching or yep. Like assertiveness that you are bossiness warranted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because you take up space, yep. and like also people perceive you as being like less feminine immediately. Yep. Whereas like shorter women
0: are like immediately more feminine. Yeah, are um,
1: understood as more feminine. Yeah, like there's a special name for a section for short women. It's called petite. It's You're a French right. Word. And there's like the special section for tall women is just
0: tall, tall, and not all people carry tall. You're more likely to get a petite section than you are a tall section.
1: Yeah. God damn it. Clothes are so interesting. Clothes are so interesting and she's messy. She's a bit slobby but she just doesn't feel at home in her world I think is one of Lucy's problems.
0: Yeah and that manifests in lots of ways not the least of which is like her crippling insecurity around her job. She hasn't even unpacked her whole apartment. She's lived yeah. there for more than 18 months.
1: Well her job is her whole life. That's like her only thing. It, it is like her, her only, only thing. Down.
0: Yeah and she doesn't like to call home because her parents always ask her about her personal personal life and she doesn't have anything to report. Yeah.
1: But she's close with her parents. So that brings us to our hero.
0: Joshua. Joshua. Joshua.
1: Do you want to speak to Joshua? I do want
0: to speak to Joshua. Joshua is not close to his parents. Joshua is more at home in this world even though he's not close with his parents and has a deep dark trauma about being a second son. Which is deep dark <laughs> trauma. Which is weird. Papa didn't love me as much. That- Papa do you love me? Do you love me now? Do you love me now Papa? What was so weird Weird about this second son business in a modern book is that it was basically the discussion of the heir and the spare. Yeah. (laughs) Except like it's taking place now, so it's like not a spare. Yeah.
1: Exactly right. Well, we cannot live in a world where a hero (laughs) is well adjusted and doing fine. It's true. We can't. Um, he needs to be taken care of by the heroine
0: in some way.
1: In some way, he needs to need. Yeah. He needs to be somehow made defanged by his.
0: Yeah. And so it was just like really weird to read what feels like a historical romance trope in a modern (laughs) telling where it's like the heir not only does dad's job as doctor, but like also gets the girl that Joshua had been dating and who's like lovely and leggy. And so that's weird. But like otherwise, Joshua's really well adjusted. He's really good at his job. He basically saved his company. He's keeping his shitty boss afloat and he works out all the time. Yeah,
1: because he also doesn't have, like, a whole lot of life. No. He works out to kind of fill his time. Right. But he also
0: <laughs> super regulates what he eats. Yeah. Crazy, like, no sugar. But, like, then you find out that that's, like, a thing from dad. And, like...
1: But I do think that's interesting because we have, like... A hot air quotes like muscly
0: washboard abs. She even talks about like him having like that swimmer's the V. angelo DeAngelo. Yeah.
1: He's very frank about it. it's like his whole life. Like it's all he thinks about. It's the only thing he does. It is the only Besides thing he does out of,
0: outside of work is his to work on his physique. And one of the things that I really appreciated about this novel that
1: in very specific home decorating. Oh my
0: god, his home decorating though. One of the things that I really loved about this novel was that it was true to life. Like to have the kind of physique that you have like visible eight pack deep D'Angelo V like sculpted shoulders it's like this dude is at the gym 14 times a week he goes every lunch hour and he works out for an hour after work or before sometimes if they have a late meeting and this book didn't shy away from like how it's like basically an obsession yeah it takes a lot of work to maintain and then he also deeply regulates his food I wouldn't say that he has an unhealthy relationship with food but it's like veering into that territory he's like counting calories and like meal regulation in a way that's like
1: it's obsession by any other name right that's kind of like what freaks me out about the like bodybuilder movement is it kind of reminds me so much of like inspo and yeah, stuff that women gap. fall into because there is like very specific like pictures of abs with like lists of how many almonds you can have throughout the day superimposed on top. It's it's very similar. It's right. obsession by any other name. He's
0: not a very well rounded person. No. And I think it was not refreshing exactly but like nice not to have our heroine have like a bad relationship with food. She has like a weird not well adjusted relationship with her body but it didn't revolve her around her weight, necessarily. No, it was her height. I guess that's like a deviation that was nice to see and that our hero could, you know, be wandering into an unhealthy relationship with food like that could be something that they could work on together potentially it was like nice to see
1: well that was also like a more interesting problem than the second son issue which totally didn't
0: really work no because like it only works in 1850 if there's like an estate to inherit otherwise it's like oh you didn't become a doctor but you're an incredibly successful person in publishing who's like basically saved two companies and your dad still doesn't love you sounds like that's dad's problem versus like oh if you don't inherit you have no money and like have to join the army or the
1: dudes are weird about their dads but to be honest if I as a grown woman went on a date with a grown man and he was like oh my god I love my dad he's my best friend I would be like red flag red flag (laughs) you know (laughs) like I think if you're a grown man you should have like a slightly problematized relationship with the man who raised you unless
0: your dad was like super chill and like constantly growing but like, yeah, I mean, I take your point. Not. <laughs> I don't do I know anybody with a like a well-adjusted relationship?
1: Well-adjusted, but like my dad's not
0: my best friend.
1: A little tense. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't be like a grown man who thinks the other grown man in your life. Maybe I'm like a little too Freudian, but I'm like, I don't know why that would happen. I think you can like, have- you, I feel like you should be able to uh, problematize your uh, parents.
0: Sure. And, like, as long as your parents are, like, up for it, I think that could lead to a fruitful place.
1: What do you mean, as long as your parents are up for it?
0: So it's like, hey, Mom and Dad, you know, I'm, like, thinking about our relationship, things that...
1: No, I mean, like, you just personally being like, Mom and Dad, I can only tolerate you for a certain amount of time. And Mom and Dad, we're different people. And yeah, Mom and Dad, you're not my best friend. I have other friends. Yeah, all like, of
0: that sounds healthy.
1: Yeah, that's, like, a normal. And being like, Mom and Dad, you need to watch less Fox News. And, <laughs> Mom and Dad, I don't know why you... Have these expectations for me I don't know where they came from and you know I think like I think if you just are like boy sure is great me and my dad never felt weird about it he never made me feel small or strange and like just like normal healthy everyday stuff all the time always forever it's kind of like I don't think you grew (laughs) like it sounds like you're just kind of sporting around Well, that could be. It's the unexamined life.
0: Yeah. And lots of people live that life and are perfectly content to do so.
1: I don't trust them.
0: That's fair. Nobody's asking you to. (laughs) I'm just saying,
1: if there was a hero in a romance novel who was like, I love my dad. I love my dad. Well, not like I love my dad, but like Mm -hmm. my dad's the best and like we totally get along and there's nothing weird. I can't wait to be just like my dad. The only
0: time that a hero says I want to be just like my dad, dad is deaf dead and died early.
1: Yeah. Like a dead Disney mom. Young people are socially more progressive. They're ideologically more progressive than their parents, at least. Ideally. Ideally. in like, the best case scenario, I think. Anyways.
0: Although, like, if you have cool parents and then, like, you become, like, the non-cool person, like, I did know this awesome couple who were total atheist hippies. They were both in academia, which is its own ball of wax. And then their daughter just, like, was really unmoored by that existence. You know, there's no God. The only God that we worship in this house is literature. And, like, she became a fervent evangelical. I was like, whew.
1: Counterpoint. Maybe her parents weren't that cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they were into cool shit. But yeah, it, like something. Something's didn't go wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what those Thanksgiving dinners were like. So yeah, Joshua has this deep, dark trauma about being the second son, not being a medical doctor. But he is the one who I would say escalates.
1: Hold on. I figured out what my issue was and I want to articulate it. Okay. If you put your
0: parents on a pedestal,
1: that means you're in a state of arrested development. And so if you're the type of person who talks about your parents like you did when you were five or six, there's probably other stuff in your life that is still
0: five or six years old. Red flag. Sure. My point is like, as long as your parents aren't on a pedestal and that like when I meant like everybody's up for it, where it's like everybody examines the relationship together, like this is how you hurt me. We can grow. And then I think like in that way, people can be pretty close with their parents. I'm
1: not talking about, like, how to actually manage your relationship with your parents. I'm talking about how to interpret other
0: people. Yeah, we don't offer that kind of advice on this podcast. For good reason. So, deep, dark trauma. One of the things that's interesting to me about Josh is that he starts the passive-aggressive war, and the way that Lucy traces it is that she has this big, open smile on the first day that they meet, and he doesn't smile back, which puts him one point ahead of her from the outset.
1: But, he didn't smile back because he had such a big boner!
0: Such a big boner, and he knew that if he smiled back, it would be over. His
1: boner got even bigger.
0: Oh, God. And so then they play this, like, really fucked up mean...
1: concentrating on hiding his boner.
0: Yeah, and she misinterpreted. Uh She's like, oh, you're a cold fish and you hate me because I'm short and adorable and quirky.
1: She made a lot of assumptions.
0: She sure did. But then, like, the thing about Josh is that he, like, escalates it. He understands immediately that she has misunderstood his coldness, and instead of like trying to ameliorate it he just like continues to fuck it up worse all the time then he like creates these elaborate tests for her so he starts wearing the exact same order of shirts there are 12 shirts and he wears them in the exact same order every week so like since there are 12 shirts you can go through a whole pay period right and like she notices but then like never comments on it
1: yeah she does realize because um the opposite of love isn't hate it's indifference yeah and so if she hadn't noticed his shirt,
0: <laughs> <laughs> she would look forward to blue shirt day because it did bring out his eyes and he did have lovely eyes and goddammit, it, there's like something that she likes about him. And then like on black shirt day, it was the end of the pay period and everyone's get their checks. <laughs> they knew way too much about each other. And
1: the first few chapters are delineated by the color of his shirt mm-hmm. to note the passage of time, Yep, which is a clever, fun thing to do. I
0: thought so too.
1: Bringing you into the relationship in a more intimate way.
0: The details of this book are really strong
1: yeah he's also super into paintball
0: yep they go on a paintball excursion as a team building exercise because they are two different publishing houses that are forced together by an economic downturn because publishing is dead nobody reads
1: but guess what lucy's gonna save publishing house because she's got a bright idea she sure does ebooks
0: republish the entire backlog in ebook form (laughs) with new covers It was a good idea. It's
1: a good idea, but someone should have had it by now. Oh my
0: God, I know. It's like, do you even (laughs) internet?
1: I want to talk about the paintball scene. Okay. Because Josh is especially attracted to this whole new facet of Lucy. And that is the fact that she wears jeans. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's such a dated way to be like,
0: look at this sexy lady in her jeans. Because jeans? You know what it made me think of when I was reading that scene? Sylvia Day? No. I want to get back to that, though. It made me think of the spate of rom-coms in the 90s where Sandra Bullock is always in a really nice pair of tailored mom jeans that, like, really hug her ass. There's, like, this amazing scene in Hope Floats. There's a great scene in Speed.
1: Yeah, there's a reason those mom jeans have made a comeback. For sure. It's because of ladies like me with no ass at
0: all have ass in those jeans. Yeah, they Ugh. pull it off. And so like when he was describing how amazing she looked in those jeans, all I could see was like Sandra Bullock running toward Harry Connick Jr. And I'm like, huh, it's 1996.
1: Yeah, the idea of like jeans being like some sexy little secret she just pulled out of her back pocket is so like kind of strange. Yeah. And also, I don't think jeans are sexy. That's just a personal thing. I think jeans are nice, but I don't think jeans are like, wow, look at you, you hot little mama. And I- your
0: utility pants. <laughs> your utility pants. I think the turn was that he'd only ever seen her in dresses and skirts. And when you see someone that you like, an outfit that is unaccustomed, it's like suddenly you appreciate their body in a different way because they're in a different environment. The environment being jeans. Yeah. Their body is encased in a different fabric and you're like, holy shit. In a new way. It's like the first time you see someone that you only see in the office and I suddenly you see them and I, like...
1: Whenever I see someone who I'm used to seeing a certain way and like a different look, mm-hmm. I'm immediately like like, (laughs) huh.
0: It's like seeing your teacher in the grocery store. Yeah,
1: it's like seeing your teacher in the grocery store. That's exactly what it's like.
0: But you don't want to like bone everyone that you see in like one milieu and then like suddenly put them in another. It's like the very particular of like, this is my boner person. No.
1: (laughs) The idea of like this montage of like a woman walking out in jeans and suddenly she's this whole new creature
0: is like very silly to me. She's down for a good time. That's what the jeans say. (laughs) She's just ready for Friday night. It could be karaoke. It could be paintball. Could be. be anal. Could be you don't know. <laughs> jeans are enigmatic that way. You know what I mean? They're like they're Where ambitious. Is she,
1: going? is she going fishing?
0: Is she going to ride a
1: four-wheeler? Is she going to build a house? Who knows? What's she going to do with those jeans? Is she going to go to a tractor pull? She maybe just going to sit with her legs open? Mm, who who knows? knows?
0: That's the power but that's not of blue the, jeans. That's
1: not the outfit that sets him off. The outfit that sets him off is the wool black dress and fishnet tight. Which, by the way, God love your corporate publishing job that allows you, the executive assistant, to wear a mini black dress and fishnet tights.
0: I think it's really important that we reiterate it's a mini black dress. She cannot bend over in it. And fishnets.
1: And heels. She wears it with heels as well. It's like a
0: Thursday of the work week.
1: Yeah. It's, <laughs> <all> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? It's like the day after the big staff meetings, which yeah. to me feels so much more like lascivious. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm like, I'm like so
1: Close to the <laughs> staff meeting? Oh. My goodness.
0: Yeah. That was a moment where I was like, in a Lucy. I know. It's a workplace. But
1: like, I'm like, why didn't she wear like a solid tight? Why did she wear a fishnet tight?
0: Seriously. Who
1: was it who had that whole essay about fishnets? I don't know. It might have been all too there. But I said like once sexuality is in that little spot of skin that's revealed, once you're nude, you're desexualized utterly. It's the fact that you're trying to cover your nudity and revealing it at the same time that makes something sexy. Mm. It was definitely one of the French ones. That makes sense to me. It wasn't Foucault. No. Now I'm just doing like a personality review.
0: (laughs) Who do I know Who that's a French philosopher that had problematic views like of women and sexuality?
1: Early 1960s. I think it was, like, an overall view of sexuality. And I don't think it's problematic. I think it's super true. Mm,
0: I mean, I think there is certainly something about the reveal, non-reveal. Like, that's why, like, a hint of skin or, like, you know, all of that is sexy. But, like, I don't think you lose your sexuality when you're naked. No,
1: it's not that you lose your sexuality. It's just that you...
0: It's not the anticipation anymore.
1: Well, no, it's like you're just, like, a human being in another state. Whereas like if you're like in the liminal space between states, that's interesting. Like if we were all naked all the time, we mm-hmm. wouldn't be like all aroused all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you're all dressed all the time, you're not aroused all the time. Mm-hmm. And whenever you see like a nude body, you're not necessarily aroused. Mm-hmm. But even when you see like a nude body that you're not necessarily attracted to that's in that liminal space of dress and undress, it is erotic. I think it's de Once you're completely naked, it's like erotics versus like a sex.
0: I think that really depends on the situation. Sarah Silverman has a really interesting interview about this where she does this nude scene in this indie film with Seth Rogen from like 2010 or something. She goes to a public pool and she's having this conversation with another woman and they're all in like the locker room and they're in the process of like getting nude so that they can go work out in the pool and then like the process of then all being naked in the shower and Sarah Silverman's like it was so freeing to do this nude scene because it's not sexual Uh and that's like we're just bodies. So like in the sense of, like the liminal space when she's like taking off her clothes and she's like basically taking this other woman to task. It wasn't sexy to watch Sarah Silverman take off her top because the context of that thing is like what this is What movie was this? It has Seth Rogen and I think it's either Carrie Mulligan or the one that looks just like her. It came out in like 2010. It's filmed in Toronto. She's married to Seth Rogen. It's Rogen's filmed kid. in Toronto. <laughs> like I have to look it up. Oh
1: I know which one. It's Michelle Williams. Thank you. Isn't it? Not yeah. Carrie Mulligan. But I think that's also context like a locker room. But even like if you see like a nude couple having sex, then picture like one of them still in their socks. I think that becomes a way more erotic visualization because it's the fact that like if you see a naked body, that's just like a body in state. Whereas if you see a body with some clothing still on it, but still for the most part nude, then that denotes that like the nudity is something that would have been covered and is something more interesting to see then.
0: You had me until you said because that is the least sexy thing. I don't think I had you
1: ever, but fair enough. (laughs)
0: No. The movie is... I really like it. Take This Waltz 2012. Mm. It's really boring. I don't recommend it, but it has the scene with Sarah Silverman.
1: But like I was saying, like having like a piece of clothing on implies that the nudity is something that is normally covered Mm -hmm. and therefore makes the nudity more interesting and more of an erotic.
0: Okay. Anyway, I don't think she should have been wearing fishnets at the day after the big office meeting. And boy... That's also one of those moments where this book, I think, really got internality right because, like, she does it to provoke Joshua, and then she immediately regrets the decision.
1: They do uh, make out in the elevator. Mm-hmm. He hits the emergency stop and pushes her up against the wall and lifts her up. Her tiny little body—it's so easy to do—and
0: throws her around.
1: She doesn't regret that. She no. enjoys it and she thinks about it a lot.
0: Yeah, because it was sexy. But I mean, like, she regrets that she can't bend over and like all this other stuff. She's going to meet Daniel.
1: Yeah, that's why she got dressed up. Yeah, I forgot. And he about gives that. her a ride to the bar. It's because he thought whenever she came in and Coily was like, I have a date tonight, he thought like, Oh, it's me. My moment has arrived. And then she's like, I gotta go meet Daniel. <laughs>
0: and they get in the car. <laughs> took the wind right out of your sails. That was actually
1: handled really well. That was actually very believable. And uh, it was super confusing up until the moment it was explained by our hero when they were
0: alone together in a more intimate setting. Then he says something to her right before she walks in to make her cry. And then he feels really bad and he leaves. Gave
1: her like a compliment and it overwhelmed her. I think he said like, you're always beautiful. No, he didn't say you're always beautiful. That's what he said in the card that Mm -hmm. he gave her on the roses. Mm -hmm. But it just like overwhelmed her and made her cry didn't work out that one time, but it works out eventually.
0: Sure does. Oh, boy. All right. Two flawed characters. We still want to talk about Paintball and the fact that she has a raging fever that he then has to take care of her because he's, <sighs> he's
1: delirious. God, yeah. So he nurses her back to health. Calls his brother,
0: who's a doctor.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a real doctor. They'd argue about doctor stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I like so much of this book. There's parts of it, though, that I'm like, I could have done without. I think they like are a little bit like fatty, and they're not for me. Like I understand that there's a woman out there who really enjoys joys the idea of being cared for Tinder menstruations that way. Mm-hmm. But that's not me. And I also didn't feel like her fever and him spending that night with her taking care of her really did anything because I already knew he really liked her. And I already knew that he really cared for her. I didn't need like all that. What was it wearing- seemed a little over the top and a little weird. Like there's always it's like... weird. He always goes like... This hero always goes like a shade too pale. Yep. Like the way he takes care of her when he's sick, the way he yep. paints his bedroom the color of, of her, her eyes. eyes. And she, like, doesn't even get it. <laughs> but then she does get yeah, it. And I'm also like, like, who the fuck would look at a room and be like, same color as my eyes? I
0: know. And exact shade. Mean, Me and this, uh, this wall. Also, why do you want to be surrounded by, like, someone's eyes forever, especially where you sleep? I'm like, that's, like, a waking problem. In and <laughs> out of... Waking problem. <laughs> the, the fact that... A waking problem. is <laughs> like, I'm just staring at her eyes all the time. Like, how can you sleep if this is like what you're? All whatever. problems are waking problems. People have sleep problems. That's true. But, like, the fact that she's, like, incapacitated in her fever delirium, I never like that. I never like it when the heroine is entirely like, incapacitated and, like, the hero gets to, like, whisper shit that she can then, like, only vaguely recall. Remember her. about <laughs> his, like, that.
1: tender ministrations, tender ministrations. I hate I, that. The part that gave me, like, the biggest, like, <sighs> was she knew her apartment was messy and he still insisted on coming inside. If people don't want you in their apartment, just... Don't come in.
0: Yeah, man. They've made it explicitly clear.
1: Like, just don't come in. Just
0: don't do it. Like, have food delivered if you feel like that about it. But, like, otherwise, don't.
1: Call and check in on her.
0: Yeah. Be a normal human.
1: Yeah. Don't, like, obsessively read her parents' strawberry patch blog. And then, like, paint your bedroom the color of her eyes. Also, and then call be, like, her
0: shortcake. Hello, cake. I'm
1: here to take care of you. I've invited oh. my brother. I, I changed your doctor. clothes. I didn't look. <laughs> I did your laundry. I did your laundry. I cleaned your apartment. Also, there's nothing on the walls. It's way too intimate. It's way too intimate, and way
0: too soon because, like, at that point, she's just beginning to make the turn from like, "Oh, hey, do I really hate you, Mister Eight Pack?" and delicious-y. I think you're right. He's just a shade too pale all the time where I'm like... Nah. No. In How I Met Your Mother, they called it the Dahmer, Lloyd... Yeah. Dobler. 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 No,
1: I'm pretty sure Dobler is how they monitor the air That's pressure. The Doppler That's effect. That's Doppler. Dobler.
0: Lloyd Dobler, Dobler from, say ad- from Say Anything. From
1: Say Anything. Are you sure Positive. it's not the Lloyd Doppler?
0: No, I know it's Lloyd Dobler.
1: I'm just kidding.
0: Okay. I'm like... I am willing to fucking go to the mat on this one. I don't even need to look it up. You don't even have to. You would just look it up. I know, but I don't need to look it up because I know I'm right. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> anyway, so easy. I am. I'm easily trolled. But also like what's weird about it is the older I get, like the less inclined I am to find Dobbler antics enjoyable. Whereas a, like a young person in a teen, I was like, this is so romantic. <laughs> and now I'm like, stop it. Get out of her house. Yeah, he's writing that Dobler Dobler line
1: and falling right over the side every once in a while. Yeah. Not telling her that his brother was marrying his ex-girlfriend.
0: And bringing her to a three-day wedding. Just like
1: in general, though, he wasn't great at communication. Also, she steals his planner. Yeah,
0: and then tries to like, you know, suss out his like weird markings. Yeah, what were his markings about? Anytime she smiled, anytime he got her to laugh, and then like when she was wearing a skirt.
1: She was keeping track of the same stuff yeah. just internally except for the skirt thing
0: yeah although she kept track of his shirt so also the thing about this that's so unprofessional is like they had <laughs> the most HR complaints against one another yeah like the HR person like would see them come into their office and be like Ugh. and i mean, like that's so unprofessional and so bad it's like not enjoyable to harass each other to the point that HR has a file on both of you
1: yeah and like your her whole job
0: yeah that's not fun
1: And why didn't they Just give them Separate offices
0: Especially like then their desks Are facing each other And they're like This weird mirror Mirror box Yeah And they like See each other in all the angles All of it It was just It sounded like hell
1: It would be so intense
0: It'd be too intense Which is why They eventually fuck She only had a sex dream Though after a year
1: Or something That's crazy That's
0: totally crazy They would
1: have started Within a week Uh,
0: Easily With that physique And like his like Weird chiseled features But also
1: just the fact Of like that closeness Yeah
0: And like also the intense feeling of hatred.
1: Yeah, like uh, anything. Yeah. It would,
0: oh. Which I think like the fact that she didn't have a sex dream about him earlier like suggests that she's like in a pretty dark place. Yeah, it does. And like. She's like never even masturbating. Like if I could change it I would be
1: like she's had sex dreams about him before. mm -hmm. And she's always like a little bit nervous that he's gonna like see it on her face. Yeah.
0: And she's also like mad about it because she does like doesn't want to be attracted to him. Yeah, that would have been like interesting. Totally. Yeah.
1: And almost kind of sold the hero as like a less sexy figure.
0: Just like anal retentive.
1: Yeah. It's like, God, he must be like truly repulsive. And then it's like, no, he's not. I love him. It's like a little less earned since she wasn't just like having a normal reaction to his proximity this whole time. Yeah. His proximity and the tension.
0: Right. Which is immense.
1: Sexiest part. Oh. <sighs> What I I will say, this book's
0: level of anticipation was insane. We only have one full sex scene and it comes really late in the game. Everything's pretty much concluded. Like we're like really like we're just the off ramp to happily ever after is like visible when we get our first full sex scene, which was a surprise.
1: It's a surprise, but I don't think it's unearned. I think she does a good job of making it happen. I think so too. The fact that he's like, I've got maybe one chance to have sex with her. He wants to be in control, obviously, of the situation.
0: Yeah, Because she's like, oh, I'll have sex with you. I'll have sex with you anytime. But like only until this interview for our promotion. And after that, like, I'm not going to have sex with you. And I'm probably never going to see you again. And he's like, well, that's not what I want. What I want is you and me forever with a four and so like yeah he constantly is orchestrating this like insane tension like I think so like my sexiest part is like when she shows up at his apartment because she's literally stalking him and he's like you stalking me? You want to come in? You want to come in and stalk me? Well she wasn't like replying to his texts and
1: so he was like, walking walk in the streets. Yeah. Getting and She's like going through his trash she was and like, like try at his building. He, she was like on a date.
0: The date didn't go well. He was
1: like, if you kiss this guy, you have to kiss this guy. And if it's better than the time you kissed me, then I guess you can date him, which like
0: hmm. no one asked
1: you. <laughs> and also like, and then she's like, I didn't like kissing him as much. I'm going to go to your apartment. And then she's like sniffing around his shit. And yeah. then he's like, Storming around
0: and I don't know maybe they deserve each other Anyway, yeah, weirdos. what's the sexiest part he comes upon her and then she's like <sighs> invites her up they have like this very cozy scene on the couch she discovers
1: the bedroom that is
0: painted but doesn't recognize her eye color and he's like really <laughs> nervous about her seeing his bedroom and she's like that's a really nice color the coffee of your headboard goes really well with this blue and he's like oh does it does it go really well with this blue and she's like yeah it's a really good color combo you have an eye for it and he's like do I have an eye for it and she's like yeah whatever and like goes back into the other room like she doesn't get it until later whatever she dumb and they're like making out on the
1: health meal
0: oh my god and they're like making out on the couch which is like so good I also like I think we've talked about this one before but I love a scene of a dry hump love it I (sighs) was
1: talking the other day I feel like I was complaining about the lack of dry humping. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was in our most recent chic book because I was like so excited that there was dry hump and then it was the worst. worst. And then lately I've been reading nothing but good dry humps. Uh, and, and then like, I was watching Love Island and they formed the Dry Hump Society.
0: That's so good.
1: Dry humping is everywhere.
0: I'm so glad because, like, boy. It's not just for teens.
1: It's not. It's fun to read about. It's
0: fun to read about. It's also like that's what you do when you're making out with someone. You're so excited to make out with them, and you can't even take off your clothes.
1: Little fly to fly friction
0: (sighs) never hurt nobody. No, it's great. So I love that scene on the couch, and then like he's like can't let it go any further, and like walks her down to the car, and then they like keep kissing and like in the car, and then she like gets in, and then gets back out and kisses. That's my sexiest part, like that whole scene, because it's like the anticipation of the thing where I'm like they gotta do it. It's just like she's just. they didn't and I was like oh man (laughs) I thought this was a very sexy book it was a very sexy book what was your sexiest part? I tore ass
1: through it okay okay my sexiest part Mm -hmm. was the elevator Uh, the very first makeout scene I think that speaks to like a woman's fantasy like to be so desirable that someone has to hit the emergency stop on the elevator and then to also be so small in life that they like lift you up (laughs) and dig their fingers into your ass flesh I think that was the sexiest part and like to think about it in real life happening to you is very scary but that's what makes a romance novel so cool and so special is that it's very safe mm-hmm. and sexy in a way that like your coworker hitting the emergency stop button on an elevator I was with a coworker, and she hit the emergency stop button on the elevator because she was confused about holding open the door it was not
0: sexy it was very scary <laughs> and I
1: <laughs> didn't want it to happen
0: that's so funny I mean I agree with you like there's something like reading about a man who's almost a foot taller than you like throwing you up against and like pressing the stop all well, that's very sexy but like yeah put it into reality and it's like that's a situation oh. that sounds like murder
1: yeah it's very fun, and like she can be like you've got murder eyes like, she said that yeah. multiple
0: times and yeah, that, was a, that was a moment that was, was his like,
1: arousal eyes but it's also like it's a romance novel like if my friend came to me and was like oh my god he like it seems like murder eyes I would be like you need to stop but it's a romance novel so I'm like it's fine everything's fine yeah
0: the line between passion and murder is like maybe be a little too close in some romance novels and I'm like yeah I'm sure we'll continue to talk about that
1: IRL I can't stop thinking about murder as a concept I know you love it I don't yeah (laughs) I'm riveted
0: by it but yeah like those scenes when she's like those are your murder eyes and he's like those are like I want to incinerate you with my arousal eyes I'm like but that's
1: still murder incinerating someone with arousal is still murder exactly burning them to death yeah he's just really horned up and he goes dead behind his eyes which is actually Not inaccurate when I think about it. Think about like what a horny dude looks like, a real horned
0: up dude. They get real focused. Yeah, like a shark. I was just about to say, like a shark. Nothing but focus. (laughs) Swim forward or die.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's very scary. No, that's probably super accurate. To be honest, a little dose of reality in the romance genre. But yeah, I really liked that elevator scene. I thought it was the sexiest part. I also thought the part where he sends her the roses that say you're always beautiful. She thinks they're from her gentleman caller, Daniel. And then she goes to work and he's so hopeful and she doesn't realize it. Which like, it's such good dramatic irony that Mm -hmm. I'm like in the character's perspective and I know. Mm -hmm. But there are times whenever I'm in the character's perspective and there's no dramatic irony like I'm in the same boat. Like, it's a very good use of that tool, a very deft use of that tool throughout this text.
0: I thought so too. Yeah. Weirdest part. I think the whole wedding debacle is pretty much my weirdest part. Because, like, the dad thing doesn't quite work, as we've talked about earlier. And, like, the fact that his brother, who he's not close to, is marrying his ex-girlfriend. And, like, he didn't tell Lucy. And then she's like, what is this? And he, like, doesn't have a good enough explanation for it. That, to me, felt like the most put on. Right? Where it's like, I can see the scaffolding a little too much here. Like, it didn't feel as natural as other parts of the book felt. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's also this thing where the book does that, like, second son thing, but it also does, like, a weird billionaire thing. Yeah. Like, he's got a really nice car, and he, like, pays for the hotel room, but it's, like, they have the same job. Yeah. So
0: the fact that he would be significantly wealthier than her is just upsetting. And super weird, because the book goes to pains to say that he was cut off. And, like, she has this working class background. Her parents are farmers.
1: Yeah. But But, his apartment's better than hers, and his car is better than hers. And it's not like she's, like, I'm just drowning in savings. So it's really just upsetting. (laughs) You have the same fucking job she's better at it than you mm-hmm. that's the other thing that good cop bad cop the employees
0: they do good cop bad cop the employees and he's always like kind of undercutting her good cop and like not the partnership of good cop bad cop he's always like you suck at this and they're taking advantage of you yeah
1: but also like he's right yeah and also like she's not really ready to be a boss without nope. him but yet at the end we're supposed to be like everybody likes her she's gonna do great she had this one moment of confidence not allowing someone to be her intern you know you know it's it's rough but the weirdest part for me were like the hero problems because when i was reading it and mm-hmm. when i was in it i was like this is so good mm-hmm. and i just like shoved that whole slice of chocolate cake into my mouth at once and then i laid down in a little chocolate cake coma and i was like this is great i love chocolate cake but now i'm up and i'm awake and i'm like what was wrong with that hero <laughs> that hero was pretty i really liked actually lucy as a
0: heroine mm-hmm. she and was think, fun to be around. She was fun." to be
1: around and I think I understood her and I think she like didn't you know woe is me the book made it clear like what her problems were without making her like a sad sack She had real problems, but so did he. And the book didn't need to like shellac on all this like second son baloney. For sure. Like I kind of like the idea of them as just like two lonely people in
0: the same mirror box. Yeah. Like jonesing for one another. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It didn't need all of that, which is why like if you've read The Hating Game and you've never seen What's Your Number with... (gasps) I
1: love... What's your
0: number? Oh my God. If I were to ever write a screenplay, it would just be that movie.
1: <laughs> like, let's remake What's Your Number?
0: And it's going to be word for word and I want Anna Faris and I want Chris Evans and I want everybody. <laughs> I want everybody doing the exact same thing, take for take. That's what this book felt like when I was reading it. I just like absolutely loved it. I was super duper in it. And like the thing about this book is like in the sort of deconstruction, there are things that I think weren't as tight as could possibly be. But like the thing about What's Your Number is like, Chris Evans, is a broken fucked up person but like he's still so fun and like Anna Ferris's character has this like weird talent where she like makes these like little weird sculpture creatures and it reminded me of the Smurfs the fact that like he goes to the Chris Evans and What's Your Number goes to the trouble of like framing all of them in these like lights to be yeah. like this is how I see you like this is how I know you there was never quite a moment like that because the moment where he reveals that he's like I see you I know you it's like deeply in his perspective where it's like these are your eyes yeah. you don't stand up for yourself enough like and it wasn't ever like here's me appreciating this thing about you Mm. and like highlighting it for you so that you can love it too
1: it's me just like (laughs) me surrounding myself in you yeah all day every day you're my only other thing besides exercise
0: and chicken breast (laughs) and like that's where like I mean I loved this book it's a total romance not to give the game away but like I just love what's your number a little bit more because it did that thing
1: (laughs) answering the (laughs) question No one asked. <laughs> Maybe that should become a regular part of our show. Like, <laughs> the question no Compared to what's your
0: number? Oh my god! I mean, literally. what would
1: beat what's your number? I Has a romance novel ever beat what's your number? No.
0: no what's your number first of all it's
1: really good if you haven't watched it it gets a bum fucking rap to this very day to this
0: very day also it's so good about a heroine's journey about learning to love herself learning to love her sexual number learning to love her sexuality Chris Evans does such a great job of like
1: learning not to like make a thing out of her number yeah
0: and like not letting other people make a thing out of her number and like that work is so good and so fascinating and she has friends and she has a fucked up relationship with her mom who's played amazingly Bly, Bly Danner and she has like a fucked up relationship with her dad it's so
1: good it's so
0: good I and cannot like, recommend this film enough
1: it's like two assholes become less of an asshole because they're together yeah and that's really what the hating game is too exactly
0: which is why I was getting such strong flavors of what's your number yeah. and it just like
1: it's like two lovable assholes
0: you're rooting for both of them
1: become better yeah the hating game was definitely a romance for me mm-hmm. I would recommend this like first time romance readers yep. put this in front of them I think contemporary I usually dislike and honestly the worst part about this book was some of the like historical tropes it tried to weave in but it's just such a delight
0: <laughs> yeah it's like really it's fun it's so
1: fun it's so sexy it's laugh out loud funny in mm-hmm. parts love the heroine, mm-hmm. even though I thought it. all short people who define themselves. Do you know what's worse than a short woman who's like, I'm short and sassy? I don't know. Do what. you know what's worse than that? An average sized woman who insists she's tall. <laughs> Have I told you about these people?
0: Yeah, but I love this story. So I'd love to hear it again.
1: I don't think she listens to the
0: podcast. I, I okay. trying to get her to come
1: to Chicago and it drives me crazy. So I had a friend and she was complaining about how hard it is to find jeans and I was like I don't know why you have this issue like I don't have any problem finding jeans and I'm taller than you she's like you are not taller than me I have been the tallest girl in my grade since I was in the fifth grade and it was so hard to find a prom date and I was like that's crazy you're a full two inches shorter than me and she was like that's not true and I was like it is and she's like you're delusional and I was like okay and so I like turn to the bartender and I'm like hey which one of us is taller and he's like you by like two inches and my friend insists that this is incorrect and like Morgan give him your driver's license which has my height on it certainly and then her height was listed as the same thing Mm. but also she's not still not taller than me Mm. insistent and she's like that's not true we like go back that night and she's still insistent that she's taller than me and insists on trying on my jeans which she then steps on the ankle of (laughs) like I don't know
0: (laughs) but it's like the best part of that story
1: point in her life she was like I'm tall girl I'm tall girl (laughs) she's (laughs) held on to that Mm -hmm. even as everyone caught up with her and then surpassed her and then myself an averaged heighted woman was like I'm taller than you she was like no me tall tall me that's the thing that is so much worse than short women being like dynamite comes in small (laughs) packages
0: You know, I can't argue with that. And like, as a truly tall woman.
1: Yeah. I would- your life now <laughs> right everybody wants to have sex with you and you're comfortable on airplanes you don't make anyone feel like they're like small any short dudes feel too oh short. exactly
0: options are so much oh my god and you're like if anybody wants to recline you don't have to hate them on the airplane where it's like your or knees aren't immediately digging into something and or then like,
1: there's the short dude who's super into you oh <sighs>
0: That's always so awkward. Yeah,
1: Because then it's like, I'm not just, just
0: my height. I can't just have your face at my breast level.
1: But maybe you could if
0: that wasn't the whole reason they were into you. Right? I don't want to be a fetish. You know, <laughs> yeah. what I, mean? I want to be a whole package. And like, that's the thing. Like, there's this picture of me in kindergarten where I am literally head and shoulders taller than every kid in my class. And by the time everybody caught up when I was a senior in high school, I was fucking glad. Yeah. You know, you feel such a sense of relief when like the boys are fighting. Finally, as taller, taller. But like you don't get to like celebrate your
1: height if Mm-mm. you're actually that height, unless you're like a professional basketball player right. or a model, which would be like the two main professions that a lot of height would
0: give you an advantage Right, because you can't be an actress because like Tom Cruise will like fucking yeah, exactly. stand on an apple crate or kill you, so.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, hating game, low man. man. Low <laughs> <laughs> If you are defining your personality by your height, rethink it a little bit. You're more than just... That number. You're more than any number. You're more than any number. There are
1: a lot of numbers that are used to like take your data on census, sensei and then delineate voting areas. But that's really all that number is
0: for. Yeah, exactly. Be the whole package. Be a vibe. Ooh, be a vibe. Be, it's a, great. Vibe. be a vibe. Be a mood board. Ooh,
1: a mood board without height or age listed. Just a or mood measurements. board. Measurements. Yeah. Be
0: a, just, just be the mood. Dude, just be the moon Shoot for it
1: <laughs> <laughs> And with that
0: Loosen your stays
1: Now are your principles balls. Whoa indeed Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance All editing and music is done by Nick Gravelin Our logo is by Mary Reichman And our webmistress is Jane Bonzac They're the best Feeling woeful about having to wait a whole week for more Womance? Well, will cheer up Buttercup. You can creep or connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, or our website. Our webpage is womancepod.com. If you prefer to be more verbose and or direct, why not send us an email? We're womancemail at gmail.com, and we can't wait to hear from you. In the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast listing app. Until next week.